We're continuing where we left off. It is 9-20-2020, and we're continuing with the thought of the week and prayer. Thought of the week. Take it from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God's preparation of these special works for us cannot be said directly benefit us. These works are for the glory of God. God is not designing works to make us look good or to stroke our arrogance. We should be more impressed with the fact that God chose us to be a part of such a barbarous plan. This plan in bringing many sons into glory is a voluntary task in itself. Just stop and think for a moment. If this is, is God's highest goal and he designed operations around this thought, then it is most certainly the highest privileges to work in cooperation with God to accomplish his purpose. And then for us to be those highly favored, joked by God as a son of his mind blowing. It is astonishing. We are God's goal as we live and breathe. We are accomplishing more for God than we can comprehend. Well, he has allowed us to comprehend for sure, but it is according to our maturity and understanding of the deep things of God. It is no longer a mystery, but for many it remains shrouded in unbelief and doubt. Take some time to consider what God has done and that these works are a direct extension of his accomplishment the eternal purpose. God made some decisions in eternity past which are being fulfilled in us right now. In order that in the coming age he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Sure, we are God's um, ambassador to do good works. He's not, he's not left up here just believing him fully alone and not do nothing. But he created us, he, he created us for this special purpose for us to do good works in advance. Those who are maturing, maturity will do good works. And those who are in advance will also do good works. But for those who are debating Christians, they would just stay idle. But... For God be the glory, he's given us a chance to accomplish what his will and goal and destiny for our life is to be. So like in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he created us in Christ Jesus to good work in the band. So it's up to us on how we want to do this. We could just sit and be idle, do nothing, and live our life here on earth as, a, as just believers. We could be believers, but that don't mean that we are accomplishing his goal. So in the eternity past, he created us to do the work that the vast for us to do. We should take um, notice of this fact and grow in grace and that our knowledge of our Lord is David of Christ. This is what I get out of the thought of the week. So at the time of we have our prayer given to us by the wife. He will lead us in prayer. Thank you very much, Dave. Of course, I will be including our families and extended families in prayer, and this church and the worldwide church. Are there any specific results, uh, specific prayer requests in addition to that? Yes, <clears throat> I have one. Um, All right. My, if not, uh, we'll go ahead and proceed. And God knows I, our thoughts and our hearts. Actually, and, I, uh, I do have one. Um, so if you could mm -hmm. pray for... Uh, my aunt Pat. That's her. Her name is Pat Brown. She is in hospice, and I'm told she is uh, nearing 
the transition time. So we ask for prayer for uh, Carol's family. It's her aunt and um, for her as well at this hour. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. All right, let us bow our heads as we come before God in prayer and with thanksgiving and supplication. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for giving us this opportunity and this wonderful privilege to be in this age, to be to have the opportunity to grow in the knowledge of your son with whom We've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. We have the mind of Christ. We have freely been given your spirit. And let us seek to love what you have given us. Let us seek to um, let us seek to be preoccupied with executing and cooperating with your mission, your plan on earth. Help us through the Word of Truth Church um, as we collectively come together now. And uh, help us to open the eyes of our hearts to really see what you have made of us. And I pray also for our families and extended families and, and also anybody who is, um, has been associated with what is true church may have all be uh, focused on the, the great salvation that we have and the opportunity for growth in the knowledge of Christ. But there is um, immeasurable treasure in that and i pray also for worldwide church the believers in the body of christ may they be eager to learn and distinguish their calling in this age and maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace and i pray for all those who are facing challenges and difficulties and transitions and especially uh, doug's aunt pat who's in hospice nearing the moment of transition and I pray for the comfort for all those um, who know of her and, and um, especially Carol and, and her family, that we, there are many instances where we need comfort. And let, let that comfort come from God, knowing that um, he is with us to the end. And I pray that we would take advantage of, of um, all of the scriptures opening up to us and let us um, assimilate them into our hearts so that as we go forward from here, everything we do is a reflection of what has been done to us and through us and in us. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dwight. Thank you, Dave. So, as we pick up where we left off, uh, we picking up from last week in John chapter 15 and verse 2. Uh, so we have, um, he it says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And uh, in your notes, we are in the world and fighting the good fight of faith. We should know that we are not alone in our struggle. The Father, Son, and Spirit are working hard as well. In this analogy, we can see how the Father works to perfect our witness in the world. Our production is important, and not because we will be rewarded, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It is important to the Father's plan. We must begin to look past ourselves and see that which is of highest value. We play an important role in the universe and our contributions here. And no They matter. They now matter to God. I can imagine our contributions may seem in insignificant to us, but we are precious, and God has great expectations of us. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that 
your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That comes from 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. So we're digging into this analogy as we begin just to note, what is this analogy about? What, what shall we say this is all about? Fruit bearing. So we want to make this about fruit bearing. This is what it is. Fruit bearing is the result of our following the Father's plan, our spiritual growth in that. So that's how we want to look at this metaphor. And it's going to be very helpful to us because this is right what we're doing now. This is right where we are in this phase of our lives, those of us who are believers on this call. So we, we covered this first, he cuts off, his first phrase, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. We, we did cover that in detail. And we started heading all the way down to the second phrase, which says, while every branch that does bear fruit. So we're going to talk about this thought. And I know we looked at this second uh, point B, where there was a major division in the early church. Many wanted to keep bearing fruit for Israel. Others wanted to bear fruit for the new church age. And we discussed this uh, Jerusalem council that was in Acts chapter 15. We saw what the goal is for some who are vying to continue the Mosaic law. Yeah, we believe in Christ, they said, but... We want to continue with the Mosaic Law. We don't want to follow the new age, the new dispensation. You know, and this is puzzling to me uh, in some respect, because even though God demonstrated the new way with signs and wonders and miracles, like when Paul told the Corinthians, I didn't come to you with eloquence of speech or, you know, all this uh, debater's techniques. He says, I came to you with the power of God. So God demonstrated that this way was with power. So, but even with the, dem the demonstration of God's power, it is still the free will of man that has to make decisions accordingly. I mean, even in the face of Christ, who did all those signs, wonders, and miracles in that day, uh, Nicodemus, on the one hand, said, I don't, there's no way to, you could be doing all these things and, and, not, and God not be with you. God is definitely with you. We, we hear you. And on the other hand, people would say, crucify him. And it is down to the free will of man as to what uh, people will do with Christ, what they will do with the church age. Even though God demonstrated it he, he, with power, People still have decisions to make. And what we can say is old habits die very hard. And this is why uh, Romans 12 is a good scripture. And I know I'm quoting a lot of thoughts here, but stop being conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So we need to know uh, and follow what that new way is. We want to be stuck in the mud of Israel like they were in the Jerusalem council. And this was sharp dispute. They were, you know, I, I would have loved to have attended that council meeting. I, I, I've attended it in some ways by virtue of what the Holy Spirit has brought us and recorded for us in Scripture. So we know there was an issue. We know that they contended with one another and uh, we could see what prevailed in the church today but know that that division is the very division that people were faced with in the early church uh, people wanted some people wanted the church to be jewish they said yeah the, this is a new entity but it's called the church but it's going to be jewish it's an extension of israel <clears throat> Others said, no, no, it's not the case at all. In Christ, there is no Jew. There is no Gentile. It's the church is one new man, never before seen. Anybody who is in Christ is a new creation. 
It's not. A, uh, you're not Jewish. You weren't born. Racial identity does not hold sway, whether you are Jewish or one of the Gentile races. God did something brand new for you. So this condition, this is our next point. This is point 2C. This condition exists today. And I have to say, people are still, after 2,000 years of the church age, people are still stuck. Not to the extent that they were stuck in that council. I don't know any church that is uh, trying to get people to be circumcised. <laughs> I don't know any. Although they have replaced circumcision with baptism and their forms of baptism and all kinds of rituals that they have, or hoops that they have to jump through. But uh, I don't know any that are talking about circumcision anymore. So we have grown some. <laughs> and, but when it comes to the Mosaic Law, I would say that is not true. I hear churches that are not advocating for the entire Mosaic Law, but they have picked and chose parts of it that they like. So that's still a problem. That's still a problem today, and that means there are still people who are stubbornly hanging on to tradition and culture. And this is not the way of God. God did something new for us. And we, if we don't respect that, obviously we will continue to, to lurch back to those things which make us feel good, that are comfortable to us. And that is the Old Testament. Well, we have something so new, we should be leaning forward, not leaning back to see what Israel did or how the Israel functioned according to this or that. We have to understand the new age. And uh, so, so this, in this point, we, you know, it goes on to say, many are not bearing fruit at all because of their rejection and distortion of the new way of the Spirit. Yeah, and this is, I'll read the, the verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and this is uh, 13 and 14. 13 says, this is what we speak. Now, what is this? He's talking about the new way here, the way of the Spirit, the deep things, things that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have they entered into the heart of man. What will people say when they hear these things? What will they say? They will say foolishness. This is How in the world could you possibly say that you're following that? Right? Israel didn't do that. How can you be doing that? Right? And so, so this is what we speak. This is what we should be teaching. The new way, which is not in words taught us by human wisdom or words taught us by... I'm sorry... It's not in words taught us by human wisdom, but it is in words taught us by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. So this is a new, not only are we new, but we have a new perspective. Or some song, we have a new attitude, right? So this is where we are today. This is something that we are supposed to embrace. I know it's hard. I, I, I... I'm going to side with the traditionalists, those who are given to follow the ways of tradition. I, I, I understand where you are. I'm not mad at you that you would uh, continue to follow the ways of Israel and look in other places for wisdom. I, I, a lot of people are doing that today. So you're following the trend of what people are doing. I'm telling you, God has something brand new for you. This is not, I would just quote it, this is what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived. That you can, if, that, if that's not something new, I don't know how we would describe new if it weren't for these words that are directing our attention to something that is unique, unprecedented. This is what we speak. This is what we should be talking about. Not Israel's accomplishments, Israel's wisdom. Now certainly we can use 
what Israel said by analogy. But believe me, our purpose in using it is to bolster, to teach, even if it's by metaphor, in some kind of way, what these new things are, what eye have not seen, ear has not heard, what all of that is. This is what we speak. It's what we teach. This is what we talk about. This is what our conversation is about. And I would hope that this has some impression on all of us as we go forward. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The person without the Spirit, it doesn't mean it's an unbeliever. It means he doesn't follow what happened at Pentecost, which is the mystery, the wisdom that was destined for our glory before time began. He's still following the old way. That's just so those same people who were Jews who were contending to go back to the Mosaic law. They, the Spirit came and made this whole new way available to us, but they still wanted to go back to the old way. So they were rejecting the Spirit. So what happens as a result of that? They do not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. Well, what things come from the Spirit of God? Things that I has not seen, ear has not heard, what no mind has conceived, the deep things of God that the Spirit reveals to us. They, they will not receive those things. So uh, they, in turn, will reject them. And, but considers them foolishness foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit so they cannot come to there's no nothing in in the human way of looking at these things that they will understand our way of life so they will assign the things that we say when we are following the spirit of truth they will assign them to foolishness they will consider them foolishness. That's exactly how I like it, what NIV says it here. That's how they will look at the doctrines of the church. The things that God has done for us in the baptism of the Spirit. The fact that we are sons of God. They will say that's foolishness. God has not identified you with the person of Christ who is the creator of all things, who is the Lord from heaven. You're just a man and a servant. So the person without the Spirit, that do not accept the things that come. Now, I would say the church has gone through some growth, as I said. I don't know that there are churches that are advocating circumcision now. But there are churches who are still entangled with Israel philosophy and wisdom. Their purpose. They have assigned that to what we should be doing in the church. And there are various ways that they maintain this through whether it's Sabbath observance, tithing, uh, mor morality. That they, that's what they derive from the Mosaic Law, morality. You know, or, or some other features that they like. But all the other features that apply to a nation, they reject. They said, no, that's just, we're, oh, we're not under the law, you know, when it comes to that. We don't have to do that. But when it comes to this, oh, we like this. So the whole Mosaic Law was a unit, and it was for a nation. They had all kinds of rules of conduct and for that nation and how they would respond and so forth. But the church is not a nation in the world. And because we live in a particular nation, we're not... That nation is not Israel. So we, we have to see ourselves in the world as those who have a special calling. God stopped the whole prophecy clock. In other words, is he laid out the whole history of the world from Israel on. But then he, he halted that and began to call out those many sons in the glory and told us we are not of this world and who we are in Christ and all of that. And we are not to look back or even forward to Israel and their glorious age when they do come around. It says, this is my covenant with them 
when I take away their sins and, and so forth. That's in Romans 11. When they finally do come around, yes, God has a future for Israel. It's not over for them. But this information is what is about us, is who we are. We are not to be entangled in what Israel was. We've got to free ourselves. And the, and the more we think in terms of that we're not the same as Israel and we do not conduct ourselves the way Israel has, the more we will come closer to what God's ideal for the church is. We're not who they were. We are church. It's special. And the more we read about who we are, wow, how astonishing, how amazing, how privileged we are. Like it says, that I can only repeat what Paul says, that we might walk worthy of the calling that we have received. Now, we can't be worthy of it because God is the one who chose us to be in Christ before the time began, before the earth was created. He chose us to be in Christ. We are not worthy of that. But what can we do now that we know of what God did? We can begin to order our lives in a manner that is respectful of what God has done for us from eternity past. And we, we can come to know. It doesn't matter what you were before, whether you were Jew or Gentile, slave or free, uh, barbarian, Scythian, rich, poor. I could add a lot more to that. It doesn't matter who you were or what you were before you came to Christ. But now in Christ, what God has made of you is something to behold. And that's what we want to do, is behold the works of God in our lives. We're going to have to continue with our notes here. I know. I'm talking. This, this is a point that is important. We need, we need to free ourselves from the impression that we are somehow fulfilling Israel's this destiny. We have our own destiny to fulfill. Point D. So the word mystery, as used in the apostle by the Apostle Paul, it declares that our way of life, our doctrines, were hidden from the Old Testament revelation to Israel. That's what it, when Paul uses that word, that's what he's saying to us. He says, "Your life." was hidden from Israel. They don't know anything about you. They didn't even know anything of you. They don't know your destiny. They don't know how God was going to bring you and, and unite you to his son and what that would mean. They had no clue. All they knew is what they knew God revealed to them. And God revealed future things to Israel. Like beyond what would happen when Christ came back. He revealed the millennium to him. He revealed a lot to him. But he did not reveal what's happening now. And Paul uses that word mystery. Even though it's not a mystery anymore. So often when we read about the mystery, Paul says, which is now revealed. He has to say it. He says, that which was hidden but now revealed. So, so you know, it's not something that is supposed to be a mystery anymore. It's supposed to be revealed, right? We're telling you about it. And yet it kind of, people's eyes gloss over and their minds begin to think about the Mosaic law and the glories of it and, and on and on. So, so, so this is, it says, they were hidden from the Old Testament revelation to Israel. Paul says, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began, or the deep things of God, or the mind of Christ. Those are all found in 1 Corinthians 2, where we were reading. So when we talk about bearing fruit, if you are not focused on the plan of God right now, and obviously, you're not bearing fruit. You're not abiding in Christ. You're in, his words are not remaining in you, as we will get to in our John 15 discourse. His word must remain in you if you are abiding in him. 
That's what it means. So there was an exchange. You abide in him. That means you respect him. You honor him. Right? You trust him. You love him. And then the exchange is his word abides in you. So, so we'll get to that verse later in, in our context. But listen, that is where we're going to be bearing fruit. If you're thinking that you're bearing fruit because you because you're living in the world, that's not you're in the world, but it doesn't mean you're going to be rewarded. And if you believed in Christ, you put the matter of your soul, salvation, on His shoulders. If you trusted Him for that matter of your soul, salvation, the Bible says you have eternal life. You shall not perish. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. It says that no one can pluck you out of my hand. And then he says, and my father has me in his hand, so then no one certainly can pluck you out of my father's hand. There's no way. You are saved eternally, and you can. the, the matter is settled before God. You can't cancel your salvation. Who do you think you are that you can cancel your salvation? Who? That's like saying, I'm going to cancel my existence. You don't, you don't have the power to do that. It's not within your power to cancel your salvation. This is a work of God. And if you've complied by believing, trusting the matter of your soul's salvation to Christ, you have, you possess now eternal life. It says you have crossed over from death to life. That's... You, you, there is no, and, and then there's no more judgment for you. God's never going to judge you when it comes to your salvation. It's done. So now what's at stake for you? It's about bearing fruit now. It's about John 15. It's what we've been talking about. It's the motivation that you're supposed to have at this time in your spiritual life. So, First, you've got to be oriented to what is God's plan? What does he want us to do? And that's what the disciples had to grapple with when they were here. Jesus was telling them, believe me when I'm telling you this is the case. Believe me that I'm telling you the Father's in me and I'm in the Father. This is going to be what's going to happen to you shortly. And if you trust me, then love me. Be devoted to me in what I say. If you believe in God, believe also in me. Yeah. So this is the revelation that is our calling. It's not just some things that we add to what Israel did. This is completely new. We need to put aside the thought of what Israel did and focus our attention on this new revelation. And that is the way we're going to bear fruit. It will not be from some other means or some other way because the father is the one who's planting the vineyard. So if he's already said what kind of fruit he's looking for. And if you're going to bear fruit from the father planting the seed, then it's going to not only be from the father, through Christ, through you, who, are, who are, is submitted to Christ, who is abiding in Christ, and then the fruit will come through you. Through Christ and through you. So Christ is Lord so that we are to follow his example. What was his example? Obedience to the Father's plan. So we have to follow. It's through us. And then what, as a result, miraculously, and this is when I say miraculously, I mean, you can plant a seed and next thing you know, you're eating from the harvest. And it's, it's an amazing thing. That's God is the one who, who talks about seed-bearing uh, fruit. And then the fruit turns, if you let it go, it turns back into seeds. And it's just a continuous cycle. So if, we're, if God is using this metaphor to say to us that he is desiring fruit, he wants fruit, production, results from your spiritual life. God wants that. We could say God has expectations of you. Don't think, oh, salvation, there's, 
Yeah, God says, not of works, not of yourselves, uh, gift of God, not by works done in righteousness. All those things, that's the nature of salvation. It's a free gift. He's not expecting you to do anything to gain salvation. You can't be working up to salvation. It's only whether you believe it or not. If you believe it, then you there are results that follow. If you don't, well, the wrath of God will remain on you. He that believes in him is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of, the God, of God's one and only Son. That's John 3, 18 and 36. So there it is. The, the choices are there. The consequences of the choices are also there. But now we're talking about bearing fruit. And now you can't go back to the Mosaic law. You can't be thinking about, well, what did Moses do? Uh, well, what did Daniel do? Uh, what did David do? You need to be thinking about what God has called us to do in this age. We are not like them. God laid out the whole history of man through the Mosaic law. He laid it out from beginning of the Genesis all the way to the end of time, to the eternal state. God laid it out for Israel, but he didn't tell Israel about us because it doesn't pertain to them. It pertains to us. God stopped time so that he could bring these many sons into glory. So this is where we are in this period of time where it stopped and, and none of that matters what was going on uh, for Israel. Right? This is all a part of God's eternal purpose. The mystery is a part of it. God hid it in himself and he's pleased to reveal it now. That's what you got to begin to think about. So the question becomes, for you, are you bearing fruit? Are you bearing fruit? That's probably an easier question for us to answer than it is for people who don't know the way, who are confused from even that stems back from the early church that happened in Acts, where they had to come together and decide what bearing fruit was, what we should be doing, even to be saved. They were even questioning salvation. They were mixing salvation with the Mosaic law. You have to wonder about them. If they're telling the, Gent the uh, Jews the Jews are telling the Gentiles, hey, you got to be circumcised in order to be saved. Isn't that salvation by works? There's problems there. I mean, it's like the Galatians who began uh, by faith, but then they were running around thinking that, oh, well, maybe I need to be circumcised. Maybe I want to fulfill God's plan for my life. I need to obey the Mosaic law. So, hey, their salvation, I can't say what their salvation was, but I do know salvation is by grace. It is through faith. It's a gift of God, not of ourselves. It's, the, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. For them to tell the Gentiles they had to be circumcised, and they were already circumcised, sounds like they were boasting to me. So, but that's up to them in their hearts and God, whether or not they trusted Christ with their soul salvation or not. Because it doesn't, it didn't say whosoever is not confused shall be saved. Because <laughs> it's about salvation. You know, if you believe in Christ, you will have eternal life. And you may be confused after. And boy, we already know people get confused after. We even have a book dedicated to that. More than one book. Corinthians it dealt with people who were immature. So we can know that yeah, these things are possible. But they're certainly not the will of God that we be confused. The will of God is that we bear fruit. For this glorifies the Father. That's what we want. So we're going to move forward. Point number three. So what does he do? Because he wants people to bear fruit. And every branch that does bear fruit is what God, this is the person who is doing the right thing. He prunes so that we'll be even more fruitful. 
Let's look at some of the points here, and I hope, hope we can finish this, and I think we have a little time. So the first thing, he prunes. What is prunes? Kathario. Okay, so that's the Greek word, and it means to cleanse of filth or impurity. To prune trees and vines from useless shoots, metaphorically from guilt, to expiate. So prunes means pretty much what you think it meant. It is not, I'm not revealing some new revelation about what prunes means. It means exactly, it did, he's keeping with the metaphor. Father planted a vineyard, uh, Christ says, I'm the vine, and my father is the gardener. Okay, then what does the father do as the gardener, and what's his role? He begins to prune. Well, if you have a garden, you should know that you do need to do this. From time to time, you have to prune. And what when things are growing, you should look in there and try to remove those dead shoots or branches that are not producing anything. And they are not going to produce anything because they have withered. So you got to get rid of them. That uh, seems like that helps promote the growth of the fruit that is already there. And it allows for even more fruit. So this is important. It's a part of gardening, which I wouldn't say I'm an expert at. I don't know. But this, this is what it takes. So point B, there are three things to consider as pruning happens for those who are bearing fruit. So three things to, to consider. What is, we already talked about what it takes and the direction you need to bear fruit and the understanding of the age in which you live and where your feet are on the ground now, not in Israel, all that. We already talked about all that, so we'll continue. Well, let's talk about these three things. So the one is growing believers, because obviously if they're bearing fruit, they're growing, are influenced by the power of the Spirit or the new way of the church. So growing believers have to be focused on God the Holy Spirit. This is our part. And if we are growing, then we have more to learn because God wants to continue to have us grow. So you could say growing and fruit-bearing is synonymous. So a growing person, a believer who's growing is conforming himself to the Word of God. A person who's bearing fruit is exhibiting the results of growing from the Word of God. Growing in the Word. Being sanctified or set apart by God according to truth. What is truth? Your Word is truth. So a growing believer is influenced by the power of the Spirit, the new way. Right? So Galatians 5.16 uh, and I'm sorry, uh, Ephesians 5.16, Galatians 5.18. I'm not going to go through those verses. You should know. It says, if we walk by the Spirit, we shall not, uh, that's Galatians, we shall not uh, fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And then Ephesians 5.16 talks about, do not be drunk with wine, which is an excess, but be filled or influenced by the Spirit. We could say drunk with wine, but we could say, do not be influenced with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be influenced, we could replace that with the Spirit. The Spirit is definitely in your life if you're a believer. He is definitely influencing you to follow God's will. I mean, there's no question about it. It says the Spirit wars against the flesh, and the flesh wars against the Spirit, so that you cannot do what you want. So that is literally a battle going on inside of you. So for growing believers, that's what's happening. Uh, you may not notice it as much as a baby. What do you need as a baby, Christian? You need the milk of the Word. There's no exceptions to this. Every believer who is a baby needs the milk of the Word. There's no, you can't feed them solid food if you think they, need, they, they will benefit better from solid They need milk. Couple other thoughts of how God prunes to make us more fruitful. So God's God must discipline. All believers need discipline. We get this from Hebrews twelve eleven. If you'd like to turn there, why don't we turn there? 
got time. We don't have to rush through this. Hebrews 12, 11 says, uh, No discipline uh, seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Notice the analogy, harvest of righteousness, right? Same analogy that we are talking about, about producing fruit. So discipline is important in the process of fruit bearing. Now what is, he says is painful. Nobody thinks it's pleasant. In fact, if we get right down to it, it's like, be re, stop being conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a painful process to be transformed by the word. But, but notice the kinds of things when we talk about God's discipline. It's not just training. There's also punitive discipline. So when God thinks we need to have correction and in, a reproof and correction and instruction in righteousness, he gives it to us. That means he has to tell us when we're wrong. And that's not pain. That's painful. That's not good. People don't want to hear when they're wrong. Some people you can't even correct. You can't even tell them that they're wrong. They're they're offended by that. You know how dare you say I'm wrong? I've been believing this for all this time, and how dare you think that I'm wrong about that? Right? Some people need punitive discipline, and they also need training. So there's two kinds of ways people. Look at discipline. Well, first of all, none of it is pleasant. Even the training is tough. But the punitive, God may have to corner you, and you belong to him, just remember now. He, can, he has influence in this world. He will, he says, we belong to God. We are purchased. And we, he owns us. And the fact that we... He doesn't exert more influence, speaks to the fact that he is long-suffering with us, patient. This is the heart of God. He's kind. He's patient with us. So he does, But he does discipline us just like any father, a good father would. So, and it, he, he even relates it to that. In verse 9, Hebrews 12, 9, moreover, we all have had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more? But we, I sh it should say, we've come to respect them for it. Because now we know how discipline benefits us. How much more shall we submit to the Father of Spirits and live? God says every child he receives, everyone undergoes discipline. This is a part of the growth process. So that discipline here is relative to pruning. This is what we're talking about. He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. He's talking about the growing believer. So we can say that there are stages of growth that we go through. But God has expectations in every stage. He expects certain things from us. Or we could end up like those Christians in Hebrews who says, even though you should be teachers by now, you have regressed to, you need somebody to teach you all over again the basic principles of God. You, you should have grown, but you didn't. So Paul's saying we got to move on. Well, writer of Hebrews, he's saying we got to move on to maturity. So it's important. And then the third thing in our notes here is God has a provision to purge us from all filth, impurity, and unrighteousness. And that provision is twofold in 1 John 1, 7, and 9. I'll read it. I'll go to 1 John. And why? He talks about pruning us. So this is part of This is provision. 1 John chapter 1. So the issue is fellowship with God, right? This is the place of growth, is fellowship, when we're communing with God. That means we're under 
a result of fellowship is God's influence over us. Because we have to walk in the light as He is in the light. It's not just about, well, just because we think we're having fellowship, we're having fellowship. But there's the filling of the Spirit is different from fellowship, but it is a result of fellowship. One of the results of fellowship is the filling or the influence. We're under the influence of God. So in verse 7, I'm breaking it down. You can read the whole chapter of 1 John, but verse 7 and 9 are the two provisions that we need. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And here's this cleansing part. Well, first of all, we have, this is a way to, to maintain fellowship, is to walk in the light. We need this provision because you need to know what it means to walk in the light. It means to have, have the desire to follow goodness, righteousness, and truth as God has revealed it in the scripture for us. So what happens is the result of us wanting to live up to the light that we know. Because we don't have all light. But, but when we do walk in the light, when we do pursue God, that and the only way we're pursuing God is because we we have the filling of the Spirit. Right? God is saying, I mean, He's influencing us, and it gives us this special fellowship with God. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. So that purifying, I'm saying, is relative to purging or pruning us from sin. So the growing believer is walking in the light, right? He's not claiming to walk in the light. He is walking in the light. So what happens as a result? Is he perfect? Absolutely not. But what does God do? He continues to prune. And why does he cleanse us from all sins? So that we can continue to grow. Right? That's Those sins were judged by Christ. On the cross. He's not, it's not about the sin. It's about the walk. It's not about salvation. It's about the Christian way of life. And verse one, 9 is, is the second part of that provision. If we confess our sins, well, that means we've, all, we've violated something that God said we shouldn't have done. In other words, light. we understand what the light is. But we did not walk in it. We chose not to walk in the light as he is in the light. So what do we do? Well, simple. Not simple, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And he continues the purifying process. Confessing your sin is wanting to walk in the light. That literally is your desire to... Fix it with God. You're saying, God, I, I know I've violated. I, I admit it. I, I did it. I'm, I'm confessing. I'm, I'm acknowledging that I have done wrong. What we're saying to God. That's like, and what does God do if we do that? He prunes us so that we can even be more fruitful. And that's important to God. That's how that's his work behind the scenes. That's the Father pruning us. It's the Father, even though, yeah, he sees what our intention is, and he uses us to the extent that he can use us. So these provisions in 1 John 1, 7, 1, 9 are not to be just taught, just one over the other or one excluding the other. We need both of them. We need verse John 1, 7 and 1, 9. It's not just one or the other. We need both of them in our spiritual walk. So those are three things of how God prunes us. And he, the testing, the training part, yeah, he, sometimes he creates scenarios for us so that we can exercise the truth, the light that we have. That's the training part. The Word of God is good for that, for teaching, for doctrine, for instruction and in righteousness. So, 
So what happens, okay, let's keep going in our notes because I know our time is waning here. So we can even be more fruitful. As we grow in grace and knowledge, we become more and more useful, productive to the Father and His plan as it unfolds. And that's the quote from Ephesians 3, 8 through 11. I'll just read it. We can be even more fruitful. Okay, that's important because through the training... Through the, the punitive and the training discipline that comes to us and through us following and willing to, to follow the influence of the Spirit, God can even give us, make us to be more fruitful. So Paul says in Ephesians 3.8, Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to the, his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So those are our marching orders. Those are, that's what it means to be even more fruitful, that we come to the knowledge of those things, even more fruitful. That's coming to the knowledge of God's eternal purpose. That's important to us. Point D, the fruit is not us. It is produced through us. We are the branches, and we can take no credit for the fruit. We are rewarded for our will to allow God to use us. That's what we're, we're, uh, that's how it works. That's how we're rewarded. Stand by. Resuming. So we are definitely, we recognize that we are not the fruit. Right? The fruit is not us. And uh, we are rewarded for our will. That means our acquiescence to the influence of the Spirit. So Romans 7, 5 talks about it, that God is going to use us in this way. I'll just read it quickly. Romans 7, 5 says, For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit to death, or for death. Right? Um, oh, actually, it should be 7, 4. You might want to correct your notes. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ. This is where we are. That you might bear, belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that you might bear fruit for God. And that's, that's the scripture I was referring to. So, and then there's uh, Colossians 1 and 10. Let's just round it out. So, Colossians 1, 10 says... So that we may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So these are things that happen for the growing believer and how we bear fruit. I might as well read 11 too. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Remember, we are in this world, and this is the objective for us, is to bear fruit. Is what God has us in this world to do. He has expectations of us. Point E, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. That's found in Galatians 5.22. I just thought, why not mention what Scripture definitely just comes right out and says, but the fruit, the production of the Spirit. So not only is it inward, it is external as well as outward. So we bear fruit so that we uh, have peace in our hearts, that we now come to more a better alignment with who God is, but also... Um, and, and love as well, love and joy are there as fruit of the Spirit. Especially love is important because love is shed abroad in our hearts by means of the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That's in Romans 5. But the kindness, the, the forbearance we need, 
right? Long-suffering, forbearance is needed externally for others. Uh, when we understand, when they, uh, when, when we're pressed and goodness and faithfulness, that's reliability. It means we always can do the right, what God is wanting us to do consistently, right? It's important when we talk about what is bearing fruit. God, the influence of the Spirit, will lead us to those things. And then point F, perfect provision and care is given to us to produce every good work. So 2 Corinthians, we'll, we'll run through these quick, quickly. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So that's what fruit bearing is. This is the, the work that God has destined for our glory before time began. This is, this is what God has planned for us to do. So God will provide everything we need. When he says he will bless you abundantly, that means provisionally. So that you, in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound. In other words, it will be even more fruitful for you in every good work. And then there's uh, Philippians 1.6, which you all, I've quoted already several times, but it says, it says that uh, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So this is what we know. We're supposed to know that God is completing something through us, not just in us, but through us. And the work that he started in us, he's, he will continue to work in us until the day of Christ Jesus. Just so that's another part. And then the second Timothy 3, 16 and 17 and don't tell me you don't know this verse. Right? This is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So in this, it is literally telling us all the ways the word of God will benefit us. And when we talk about what the Word of God is, I like what land that drinks in the rain, often falling upon it, produces a crop that is blessed. Right. So this is, um, it depends on us. The Word of God comes to us and we have to take it in properly. Right. Be oriented to the Word. You know, rightly dividing the Word of truth, as Paul said. And then Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. It says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our, who, who brought back from the, uh, the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So God wants us to be even more fruitful. And this is the Father's plan for us. And I would hope everyone here can recognize the progression of what God is trying to do for us. And how he has blessed us in this world provisionally with exactly what we need to accomplish his will. And, and just know that all of us will stand the judgment seat of Christ so that we can receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So we're going to quit. But we will continue this thought next week, which is, uh, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Take some time to think about that. We'll figure out what that is next week. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father, for this privilege of looking into these uh, eternal realities that are 
a part of who we are. We're sons. You have blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ by choosing us in him before the creation of the world. So our appreciation and gratitude is, is definitely yours. Thank you for this group we have who are eager to know your word and eager to follow the ways of, that you have given us in this new age. We pray for wisdom as we walk because it is a treacherous world, a dangerous world that we live in, and we pray for your protection and your guidance in this world. Also, we continue to pray for those who are sick among us, and especially Pat Brown in this hour. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. 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 By, by way of benediction, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. 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 All right.